0: Hello there, welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. Ed Draper with you here, sports broadcaster in the UK. Thank you for hitting on the button. Thank you as ever to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Serene AV, remember, will source you whatever best fits your vision and your budget head to banglinson and cheltenham's website bno underscore cheltenham online to find out more from jason briggs and his fine team also thank you to cytoplan for the ongoing association with the podcast they're a food-based supplement company based in the west of england we've been taking the supplements for 20 plus years and you can enjoy a discount associated with the podcast to check out at cytoplan.co.uk, cytopla you get 30% off your first purchase, 10% thereafter on future purchases with the code DRAPER10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals 1-0 and the capital letter R. And finally, thank you to the Whole Man Academy for their ongoing association with the podcast that we're so intent and helping you to enjoy life, helping, hoping to help you. We've teamed up with the Holman Academy, and arrange for some lucky listeners to get a 100% free mentoring session with Anthony Asprey, who appeared on the podcast a couple of months ago to outline exactly what the Whole Man Academy does So look up that episode. But this uh, session with Anthony will leave you feeling clearer on how to tackle any issues or challenges you're going through, especially if you ever feel stuck or not exactly where you want to be in life. Again, I think that's a common feeling, isn't it? And I've spoken to people in the past who have helped illuminate things for me, and that's an ongoing process, I think, to seek advice, particularly for us blokes don't always do it well we only have five sessions to give away each month completely free act fast schedule your complimentary session right now using the link in our show notes thank you to Anthony for that thank you for listening onwards and upwards to the podcast then Todd Cleave, rugby union player former Gloucester player who's been out playing in the States in Dallas Texas so brilliant to look forward to getting cultural insight from him and what that experience has been like so here he is the one and only Todd Gleave Todd Gleave joins the podcast now in my living room. Todd, great to see you. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, oh, mate, it's brilliant. We've been speaking for a while through social media and, and messaging and everything like that. And it's good to watch your, your story lately because you're back from playing in Texas. We're called the Dallas... Dal- what was the Dallas Jackals. It Dallas Jackals. Yeah. How was, how was that? I know you got you had injury problems, but life experience has been pretty, pretty special, I bet.
1: Yeah, it was good. It was good, good fun. Um, as you said, definitely kind of a life experience yeah um things things probably didn't work out in terms of the rugby side of things but in terms of the whole life experience um and living in another country experiencing a different culture it was definitely eye-opening for good and maybe not so good reasons for, for different things
0: well I was thinking about the thing, something we haven't talked about we just had coffee and you said it was all right coffee it's filter coffee which we'll talk about you're a stubborn rhino coffee company so you're a harsh harsh judge so I appreciate your compliment there um but the the, the cultural stuff what was the, the good and the bad Cause something we haven't talked about I realised that in Texas there was the Uvalde shooting wasn't there where you were out there what did you make of, of that because when I've lived in the States nothing like that happened and then you think afterwards oh actually people might be carrying around me or, or whatever it's a different, different thing
1: yeah it's, de- it's definitely very kind of prevalent over there um, th- there's a lot of things that go on throughout, throughout various states yeah um, and I guess te- Texas is obviously one of the states whereby you can can not carry a gun um, you can op-
0: it's an open carry You can just have it on a holster in there uh,
1: yeah I mean there's obviously there's rules around taking it into certain places yeah. restaurants and things like that some some places you're not allowed to take um, firearms in but we actually went to a um, a gun range which was like a licensed gun range you kind of go in
0: to learn how to shoot
1: yeah you get you get taught how to do it you, you can see all the guns on the wall pick, yeah. your, pick your ammo you're kind of in the gun range and and yeah so it's like rather than firing a bb gun it was it
0: was a a real gun there's been atrocities happen here isn't it like dumb blaine i remember andy murray was involved in that as a kid the tennis player and was was hiding in the class or hiding outside i can't remember the detail of of where he was but it has happened in other countries happened in the uk but it's obviously more common in the states i mean what was your when you got that news of that was it just sort of dumbfounded because then it's weird a lot of these things it sparked then a big argument, which rather than a sort of outpouring of grief, but that yeah. must have been there as well. I mean, there's
1: it's obviously shocking news when you see something like that on the news, mm. um, but to to feel like you're closer to it opposed to being in the UK where it's however many thousand miles away, it's it's more on your doorstep. Yeah, but it like you said, it it does cause conflict and arguments because you do have people that are very pro guns mm. and people that
0: are very anti guns, so it's yeah, it, it causes a bit of conflict. It's one of those things in life that you just can't think about too much. People having guns because it's I understand living in the state. I lived in Ohio for a couple of years. Went did my master's in journalism, and you understand culturally where it came from. Particularly the people who've lived in the states for a long time, the formerly English people. It was a rebellion against the colony, and it was an idea of like everyone needs guns in case the British come back with a red arm, red soul, you know, red red jackets or whatever. And, and and appreciate that sort of libertarian spirit, but it's. It's just a complicated idea, isn't it? Because we know if you go out in Cheltenham or Gloucester and someone's had a few drinks, they might punch you in the face, but if they haven't got a gun, it's a, very le- it's a sort of minor situation. That's what's just sometimes disconcerting, isn't it? If someone mentally isn't right, the ability to have a gun makes it just elevates it a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I mean, people... I spoke to a few different people out there and their kind of argument for it was... was everyone I spoke to was protection. Mm. Which I guess then spirals a bit because then everyone says, "Oh, it's for protection." It's for protection.
0: Yeah. It's but like you need a gun at home because a burglar is likely to have a gun if he comes into yeah. your home. And-
1: so we had a guy in our team who was like born and bred Texas, had li- had lived in Dallas for however many years, um, and he he was kind of trying to explain his his theory or his his mindset behind it. And he was like, if he if he went out camping or into the sticks. Mm. Because it's such a large area and such a big place, he said, if you bump into someone who you're not expecting to bump into, the nearest sheriff department is an hour and a half, two yeah. hours away.
0: It's a wild. Yeah, it's more, there's more. It's more wild, isn't it? Like, so, England's so regulated. It's yeah. CCTV everywhere. So and people it, everywhere.
1: If something happens, then he's like, you ne- you need to kind of, you can't just run away for two hours. Because no. th- there's someone there. So that was kind of his argument. Took towards it.
0: Yeah, there's kind of like a more savage underbelly, particularly in the remote states, maybe not so much like New York and the Northeast where there's lots of civilizations, but there's just wilderness in the states, isn't there? Texas, there's big cities like Dallas, where you were and Austin and other places, but there's also just a lot of land.
1: Yeah, it's just such a, like you said, vast area. And a lot of it, we we drove um, for a game from Dallas to Houston, which was about four or five hours and You're still in the same state, yeah. yeah. But for a lot of the journey, there's just
0: Texas. How many times it must be like a few times bigger than the UK, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think I can't actually remember. I think it's like almost just under three times the size of France.
0: Whoa, and France is three times the size of the UK, surely, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think it's something like I'm sure I read a stat, it was something like eight eight UKs would fit into Texas. Wow.
0: Yeah, because I suppose the UKs, long and skinny and Texas is big, almost like a square, isn't it? Yeah. I recollect. That's, that's, that's phenomenal. <laughs> so what, what did you... Because it's wouldn't where, where you go to the States because you've got the, the shared language and I know Churchill says it's a different... Winston Churchill says it's a different language, like, you know, divided by a common language or whatever it is and they say things differently than us. But what did you make of it? Visually it's different, isn't it? Just the, the colours, the size of it. And there's a picture of you on your Instagram account just a. Alongside a massive monster truck. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just every everything's so different from kind of the weather to the cars to the people to the food to pretty much everything. Yeah. The language is obviously the same, but there's there's even different different twangs in that in terms of.
0: You got to say trash can, not rubbish bin, otherwise yeah, people don't know what you're talking about. And they call about.
1: the pavement a sidewalk. Yeah and and things like that so it's like there's still different intricacies within it
0: what about the rugby language was it different was it the, expressions? Um,
1: the rugby language was uh there was a few like tra- we'd call training whereas they call it practice yeah and, and just things like that um but the rugby language was was fairly fairly similar i actually spoke to my <laughs> um fiance about it last night so we we watched uh, The Hustle on Netflix. Oh, right. I haven't seen that. It. Um, it's about like a basketball scout. Yeah. And uh, so over here, we'd call a pre a, a preseason game like a pre-season game. Yeah. Whereas they call it a scrimmage.
0: A scrimmage. Cause that's what, because they used to call just breakout football, soccer games, they would call it like if you're five a five-a-side in the park. They'd call it a scrimmage. And, yeah. And I didn't know whether that was connected to rugby scrummage or yeah. how so
1: that, that that's what That's what um, Dominique said last night. She was like, they mean scrummage yeah. and i was like yeah. oh no it's a scrimmage but yeah it's just like a pickup game or something it's just it. yeah, yeah, yeah like a i guess like it doesn't really mean anything in yeah. terms of results it's just like a practice a practice match effectively yeah so, so that that was definitely different but i think in terms of the general rugby the rugby um terms it was very similar i guess because it wasn't just american guys there was obviously international guys as well
0: was the coach american
1: so we had, um, the general manager was a Scottish lady mm. uh, called Elaine Vassy. Wow. Um, and then we were supposed to have an Australian head coach but he had some visa troubles so we ended up not having a head coach <laughs> two weeks before the start of the season. <laughs> um, and then we had like a, a Welsh Ford's coach yeah. and then the team was made up of uh, four English guys, an Irish guy, some boys from Argentina, Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Two South African guys, a guy from Belgium. So it was like a bit of a.
0: And what's the league called, the Rugby Union League?
1: uh, MLR, which is Major League Rugby.
0: So that's kind of riffing off the soccer, Major League Soccer kind of idea, yeah. Yeah, so they've been. The
1: league's been going for five years. Yeah. And I think it started with seven or eight teams, and now it's grown to 13 teams.
0: It's expensive to run a league in the States, right? Because of the size of it and the scale of it. Everything has to be flights. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of travelling involved. um, And just, yeah, like this just everything it's it's more spread out so I guess it costs it costs more to do you don't just hop on the bus for two hours it's like a a plane
0: journey for three hours and then a bus for an hour. It's funny over here, isn't it? Because people that play American football, and I don't mean to stigmatise everyone, but oftentimes are people that maybe haven't made it into the rugby team because there's a sort of parallel, it's a similar shape ball. What's it like over there? Is it they're sort of American footballers that come and play rugby afterwards? Or?
1: Yeah, so we had two guys um, in our team who one was a tight head, one was a second row yeah. slash winger. <laughs> second so row slash winger. He was six foot nine and he ran the 100 metres in about, ten point six wow so he was um, he was on the Indiana he got drafted for the Indiana Colts yeah and then he ended up getting cut when COVID happened yeah and then uh, they did this rugby crossover program with the uh, it's called the Glendale Raptors mm. so I think they basically take in um, Guys that have been involved in American football. Was he
0: playing wide receiver or what was he doing in American uh, Yeah, football?
1: he started as a quarterback and <laughs> then he was a wide receiver. But we used to, on like a Monday afternoon...
0: He must be a skilled guy then.
1: Yeah, very, very, like super, super athletic. Yeah. Um, but on a Monday afternoon at training, at the end of training, they'd love to just run like some some random, they called it routes. <laughs> did they? Yeah, yeah, routes.
0: Yeah, what, just playing with a yeah. rugby ball? Or uh, no. Uh, well, yeah, no. Well,
1: they did it with both. So, but yeah, they, yeah, used to, they still loved... Even though they were playing rugby now, they still love the whole American football.
0: Yeah, what I mean, he's trying to do, you have to have big hands to throw a rugby ball like you can American football. Yeah,
1: even. well, yeah. he was six foot nine, so he didn't yeah. have too, too
0: many issues. <laughs> so, so what was the, what were the public reception, what was the crowd like and stuff? Was there a decent following for the Jackals? We had,
1: so it was the first year the Jackals had been involved, so it was their inaugural season. Um, but it was, there, I think we got about four or 5,000, yeah. which is a pretty good turnout considering...
0: Well, you're in American football, the heartland, aren't you? This Dallas Cowboys territory. So this is
1: the... we played in Arlington, which yeah. is like, we we played at, it's called Choctaw Stadium now, but it used to be Globe Life Park, which mm. is the old Texas Rangers baseball stadium. Okay. And then the new one is now next door. And then next to that is the Dallas Cowboys stadium. <laughs> wow. So within this little complex, there's like, yeah. our stadium was 50,000 seats. The baseball was, again, I think 50,000. And then I think the Cowboys stadium is about 110,000. So within this complex, you've got three mega stadiums.
0: That's brilliant. And the, but the infrastructure, that's great having a stadium to play in like that. I guess it's a challenge then to fill it. But I suppose people are familiar with that whole area. So they might come to one of your games rather than go to the football game. Because they often don't, the Cowboys fans aren't going to travel to New York every weekend or whatever they're doing. Yeah.
1: So I think the, the league's been quite clever in terms of tying in... The The rugby season starts in February, which oh, is yeah. when the playoffs finish for, yeah. the, for the NFL, because I think they know they're probably not going to compete with trying to draw fans away. Yeah. So it's like if, if fans are interested in a contact sport, when the season finishes, why not come and watch rugby that's next door for, yeah. for four months while, whilst it's off-season in the NFL?
0: And the NFL will... Um it has that long break, doesn't it? So it's February to September, is it? Or yeah. yeah, so it's a long yeah. break. So it's a good opportunity to get another season in there. Yeah,
1: so the season runs, the rugby season runs February to the end of June.
0: Oh, so cool. it's then like. It's condensed.
1: It, yeah, it, it kind of fills a gap
0: for anyone that's that's craving contact sport. I never. Because rug, rugby and NFL have the same roots, don't they? I don't know if you've looked into that, or NFL American football. I think. And then they invented the forward pass, which completely changed. I'm
1: America. not 100% sure. Yeah. I, I don't. So I quite enjoyed basketball, so that was like, I used to, I went to a few games whilst I was out there.
0: The Dallas Mavericks.
1: Dallas Mavericks, which was the only actual stadium that was in (laughs) Dallas. It was in like the center of Dallas. Oh, cool. Um, The American Airlines Center, it was called, which which was cool, but yeah, I hadn't really, I mean, December before I flew out to Dallas, I was trying to watch a bit of NFL and kind yeah. of understand it a little bit and, and, and get a bit more knowledge on it.
0: Well, the thing I've never understood in American football is you have the quarterback, obviously, have a snap. The quarterback is allowed to throw the ball forward, right? You're allowed one forward pass, so he throws it forward. Yeah. But then technically, if a receiver or whoever um, catches the ball, they can technically throw it back, yeah. as in rugby, and you could then move all the way up the field, but they never do. They just ground it and yeah. hold on to it because they think it's too high risk. But actually, it would be more like rugby if you were allowed to do. It. I guess it'd be a bit more like Aussie rules as well, because that's what doing Aussie rules, isn't it? Yeah. Plant it forward and then. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's just the tactics of is is the risk of the pass
1: worth yeah. worth doing or not? Yeah, that's that's pretty much what you see ninety nine percent of the
0: time is one big pass or, <laughs> or a little pass and then that's it. So, but that's interesting. Do they, so that's the, the the game plan is they they see such a sort of synchronicity between. American football and rugby, that that's the crowd to go after in the States?
1: I think so, yeah. Well, it definitely was kind of um, Dallas Jackals-wise, just because all the stadiums are in one place, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, there was obviously other teams in the league that wouldn't have an American football team associated mm. in, in in that area. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd imagine it appears to be that's why you'd do it February to June, because... That that's when that's when the contact sport is is missing.
0: (laughs) So how do you think it's going? Do you think it's 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 on the up? Is momentum because because Major League Soccer started in what ninety six and that seems to be ever expanding as a team now in in Austin Texas, isn't it I think yeah,
1: yeah, it's definitely it's definitely growing. I mean, like I said, the league's gone from eight to thirteen teams in the space of kind of five years, which are all kind of scattered across the U.S. So it's growing in terms of that. I know. I think like rugby is the fastest growing sport in America at yeah. the moment. So, oh, really? So it's definitely getting a lot of traction and I think it just will naturally take time to get into schools and colleges and yeah. then but it it definitely appeals and I know um like the USA sevens team is very good. Yes. So a lot of a lot of um like college kids play sevens rugby, not necessarily fifteen. It seems to
0: produce a lot of athletes, America always has A lot of fast Quick, strong people.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I mean, the the pool of the pool of talent in terms of athlete-wise is, is yeah is amazing. It's just it's bottomless, effectively, and because I, I, there's just so so many guys that are just so so big, so quick, so strong, so powerful.
0: And I guess because they've got such a new line in Texas that high school American football is massive, and you've got all these people who are training for that, and then oftentimes they either go to university or not, but then to get into the NFL is another cutoff, and there's only so many teams that play sixteen regular season games a season. It's quite. I think the beauty of the NFL is how focused it is. But then there's going to be a lot of people who are talented athletes who hand-eye coordination who probably could then play rugby. So yeah, it makes def-
1: sense. Definitely. The 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 college and university side of of sport in America is just is just massive. Like yeah. we. We lived in a place called Fort Worth, which is like a a smaller, still a big city, but it's a smaller city just outside Dallas. Mm. And that's where um, TCU campus was. And there's just thousands. Texas? Texas College University, I think. There's just thousands of cars with just TCU stickers in the back. (laughs) Because I think it it almost becomes tribal in terms of if you've been there, then it's like, that's that's your team. And, And some of the, some of the college sides get, like, sixty, seventy thousand 70,000 people to a match. It's
0: amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I think, yeah, because I was in Ohio, in Ohio State. I was at Ohio University, which got, I think, 25,000. But in Ohio State, in the horseshoe, was kind of the biggest sports team in the, the state, almost as much as the, the Bengals or the Browns and the baseball teams. It was getting, like, 100,000 people. And it was really yeah. hard to get tickets to get there. And you think a lot of these guys aren't even getting paid, and then if they do get any sort of payment, they get in trouble for it. And it's, yeah. it's really, like ethically it's quite a question as well because they often get released and maybe not the most academic kids they've been pushed through so it's yeah what do they do do afterwards it's a different world but because the appetite for americans to embrace sport and go to sport is phenomenal isn't it because i think this country we've got football then sports like rugby cricket boxing i guess and sort of like the next most popular vine for that number two spot but in the states it's like there's so much enthusiasm for so many sports that seem to be able to exist professionally
1: yeah that was the one thing that i absolutely loved was there was just there was sport on the TV twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah. It was just always on. Whether it was like NFL, NBA, rugby, ice baseball, hockey. ice hockey, or then all the college games and things like that. Yeah. There's a thing in March called March Madness. Oh, the basketball, yeah. Yeah. So that was just like plastered everywhere. <laughs> and it's like you walk you walk down any street and there's like every place has T V screens outside with sport on. Yeah. Then you've got sports bars with hundreds of screens and then even you'd go to like a nice high-end steak restaurant yeah and there'd still be like a tv screen because i guess everyone you want to go out for dinner but you you also don't want to miss the game so i guess it's it's definitely sport mad
0: the only difference in the states i found was and it it said that i think i remember when we was coaching football soccer out there it said it was soccer was the biggest participation sport up until the age of 19 because a lot of kids play it but then there was almost a drop-off in all sports in the States. Once you get through high school, Is do you play? Like, and obviously here there'll be lots of local rugby leagues around, you know, the Cheltenham Tigers or whatever around, around here. Yeah. And then and, and different levels of that and different levels of football. You play Saturday football, Sunday football. So you can keep playing even if you've got a regular job. Whereas in the States, it almost felt like once you got through school, you became a spectator rather than a participant in sport. I don't know if that's something you, you've found.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was, there was still local local clubs around the area in terms of rugby yeah but yeah I mean there was there was probably less I mean I think there was three or four local clubs around Dallas Um, whereas I guess like somewhere like Cheltenham which Mm. is a much much smaller area than Dallas there's probably five six rugby clubs just within Cheltenham area So, so I guess yeah there's maybe less
0: sort of amateur sport
1: yeah I think so because i guess call it over here you'd you'd kind of either play school or college or club yes whereas there it's kind of college is the way yeah and then like you said there's probably a big drop-off into then a a
0: handful of people then go and
1: play club yeah club kind of rugby but they then go but
0: then they fuel the professional there's so much professional sport because they're willing to go and put the money in their pocket and watch it yeah
1: yeah exactly i think people would almost rather Rather go and watch a game of professional sport than play, or on, on a Saturday or on a Wednesday evening or a Tuesday evening or yeah. whatever day the, the week yeah, it is yeah, that yeah. there's
0: sport on. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I, mean, I do do love that. It's always great in the states going to Major League Baseball games or whatever it might be or farm baseball games as well. They have that kind of like regional sort of lower level basketball baseball, which is which is great. What was it like the standard playing there? Because you played at the highest standard, the Premiership. In this country with, you know, for Gloucester and Quinn's yeah. as well, wasn't it? before I did before
1: I did a little bit at Quinn's in the Academy and then I did three years um like senior level at London Irish yeah. before then moving to Gloucester.
0: So what how did it compare to, to premiership rugby?
1: Um it was interesting. I mean it's still in the very early stages, but it's kind of it's coupled with some very some very good international guys that have played yeah. at the highest standard boys that have played in World Cups and things like that, with then some also very good American players that have played World Cups and they've played in France or the Premiership mm. or things, and then a, a pool, a large pool of young, ambitious, hungry, athletic Americans. Mm. So it was... I mean, the, the standard in the league kind of varied week to week and whether it was home or away and the weather and things like that. But it was it was it was good the the one thing i noticed was it was probably a little bit slower mm. than than obviously the leagues over here but i think that's maybe just
0: that thinking time people need more thinking time cuz they're not as drilled maybe
1: potentially yeah and i think you've just maybe got your you've got a mixture in terms of the team, of, of very experienced guys and then younger guys. So it's kind of getting everyone yeah. on, the, on the same level.
0: And you're all thrown together just for one season, whereas usually in a premiership team, you probably have a core that would be added to a that, couple of
1: That people. was the other thing. So we had pretty much like a three-week pre-season
0: Whoa.
1: before you're then into games. And that's including conditioning and tactics. So and it was just yeah. everything, yeah. Whereas over here, you get six, eight, 10, 12-week pre-season. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's just more time to get fit, drill drill everything in before so it was kind of the first few games you're still trying to figure things out whereas in in the uk it's like you've done that in the first block yeah second blocks second blocks like consolidating third blocks fine tuning and then you hit the first game and everyone knows knows where they're meant to be what they're meant to be doing everyone doesn't need to worry about fitness and Mm. things like that so i guess because this because the season is condensed, the pre-season's condensed, it's just less time. And I guess six months, the season finishes in June, Yeah. boys go and play elsewhere or they go back home and, and, and do what they do for six months. And then they turn up three weeks re- ready to go. What? So it's like a longer. It's a longer off-season.
0: Yeah, of course, yeah, you have to try and keep yourself conditioned. I guess a lot of response, self-responsibility to, to do that. Yeah. What was the scrummage like then, being a hooker in the scrum there? Was, was everyone in there skilled at knowing what they were doing or was it a bit scary sometimes?
1: Um, yeah, it was a little, bit, <laughs> a little bit scary at the start. I mean, again, we, we had a mixture of young guys that are learning, which I guess you still have here in terms yeah. of academy boys, um, but they may have been playing... They could be an academy boy that's been playing rugby for 13 years. Sure. Whereas over there, you might have a... A twenty-five-year-old guy that's only been playing rugby for two years. Yeah. so it's like he's pushing
0: it at the wrong time. Or, yeah,
1: yeah. So there, there was things to work out across the board, whether that was kind of scrum-wise, line lineup-wise, general phase play, just kind of everything. Mm. But a lot of yeah, a lot of a lot of the teams are obviously in the same boat. They can't, I think most of the teams try and couple. You're going to naturally have some experienced guys in in positions like the mm. front row, which yeah. are then helping to develop and and bring on the younger guys that are hungry to learn.
0: Try to think of things that would be very different for an American like I suppose fly half would be a very different concept wouldn't it because you've got someone that's kicking and passing and maybe that's not something that they get prepared for playing American football.
1: Yeah, I mean to to be honest it's the ball is a similar shape but yeah, it's yeah. a very very different sport in terms of American football is like one play. Yeah. Stop. A lot done. of people
0: never touch the ball in American football as well.
1: Exactly and it might be like you've got a five, six, seven, eight second play. Mm. Whereas rugby is like continuous. Like some of the back in the premiership I think some of the some of the sets of play were going up to like four or five minutes, the Mm. longest ones. Whereas like if you if you're doing like two minutes, three minutes sets and you've come from an American football background it's, it's like, like snap, quarterback throws it. Yeah, ball goes to ground, it's and you've like, gone like, from twenty like, seconds, an, an anaerobic <clears throat> sport that is purely just like one power effort, sprint, yeah. one thing like that. To then it's almost like a crossover between you yeah. need an aerobic base, but you also need the anaerobic power. You can't be element. as heavy as a linebacker, or yeah, no. because you've you've got to do a powerful effort, but then five seconds later you've got to do another one, and another one, and another one. Yeah.
0: That's what rugby is incredible for, isn't it? Because you have to have that huge amount of strength and you have to do the strength training, but you also have to have that incredible cardio base, particularly now with a professional game.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just, especially now, it's just based on like how how repeatable can you be while still being powerful. Yeah. Because, you, you, like I said, if you've got a five-minute set or a five-minute play, you might have 10, 10 power actions in that, but yeah. the whole time in that you're also running in between them.
0: And a lot of people in the offence and the defence in American football will never touch the ball so they don't have to have that complexity. Sometimes it's a surprise and it comes to them <laughs> but that's a bit of a, a once in a blue moon where you could be the sort of wide receiver, tight end, get, get it off the quarterback or the running back. Whereas in rugby, every player's got to be clear-headed when they get the ball to be able to offload it or is, is a sort of more involved in that sense, aren't you? Because you can't just be gassed the whole time physically.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you get the, f- the quarterback in American football would would touch the ball pretty much every time. Yeah. Whereas the fly off might not touch the ball. No. At all in a play. So it's like it's very the the quarterback pulls the strings effectively hundred percent of the time. Whereas a fly half would in, in in rugby, but not to the extent that no. it would be
0: You rely on someone giving you the ball. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's more of it's more it's fifteen guys and everyone's sharing responsibility. Whereas mm. American football you still everyone still has their job to do but it's like yeah you might have guys that are like I don't want to touch the ball <laughs> so
0: attritional yeah it's so weird to think about that like it's just running into people all day without <laughs> touching a ball yeah yeah I mean it's obviously that's what American football is built upon to be fair kind of like a war isn't it like it's sort of like yeah. your foot soldiers just go out and do that and then the your quarterbacks you kind of general pulling the yeah like set yeah. The strings it's uh it's good stuff so so you, but you got when how many games did you play before you got injured when, when did that happen
1: I had a little bit of a nightmare. I played a few games at the start, then I tweaked my calf, and then I was back, and then ended up doing my foot. So I didn't actually play. Can't actually remember how many games I played now, but not probably a handful of games.
0: Yeah. So you just felt like you're getting going when it. Yeah. So
1: um, I'd like trained trained before I'd gone over pretty hard. Um, so I'd gone into this mini three week preseason pretty fit and ready to go because I yeah. kind of knew we're not gonna have much time before.
0: Had you been playing in, in here before you went over? Uh,
1: I stopped playing here in end of October. So okay. I had like two months here Yeah. kind of, well, we were, we were meant to fly out in December, but yeah. visas got delayed with COVID and things like that. Sure. So I was meant to have like five or six weeks before we went, mm. but ended up being more like eight. So it wasn't too bad. Like I just kept training, kept, kept myself running, was at the gym, kind of thing. It's obviously not the same in yeah. rugby. Training. So did you get
0: released by Gloucester in the October, and then you had to ended pivot up, and think about what you were doing?
1: So I ended up had um, had a contract with Gloucester until June, just mm. gone now. Um, but ended up this ended up just wanted to leave Gloucester for a few different reasons. Had a few things going on. Um, and I just felt like it wasn't wasn't the right place for me anymore. So mm. it, so I kind of left Gloucester um, without a club and just kind of wanted to change effectively um, and was just kind of going to leave and just kind of suss out what I wanted to do moving forward. Um, And then this opportunity kind of popped up out of nowhere and I hadn't even really thought about it. Really? Um, Someone contacted you? Yeah, so Henry Trinder, who used to play at Gloucester, he'd signed for Dallas. Oh, cool. um, And he ended up calling me and saying, would you want to go to America now that you've left Gloucester? And I was like, maybe haven't really thought about it and he was like dallas dallas are after a hooker so maybe get in touch and see cool um so yeah covered. what was the
0: financial how did the offer compare financially for you
1: um it's considerably less but it was
0: a life choice
1: it was a life experience and everything was kind of covered so like flights flights were included Accommodation was included. There was no bills oh, okay, whilst yeah. you're out there. Yeah, you got a car for whilst you're out there. So wow. it was kind of like. Did
0: they give you health? In- obviously, because health insurance is big in the states as well.
1: So we got uh, whilst you're playing or training at the club, you're covered by private medical. And yeah. then outside of that, I just had to get like a good um, travel insurance yeah. so that if anything happened, you're obviously abroad, it, it, cut, yeah. it comes under that. Because I think. Um, Ended up having to do quite a bit of research into it. I don't think you can get uh, like American private health insurance unless you're like an American citizen. Okay. Um, or you
0: have a visa, sort of fixed visa or whatever. Had a yeah. visa,
1: but it was like, yeah, it was. It comes under like a sport sporting visa, so it was slightly yeah, it was slightly confusing. When I was that. there, I, had, so
0: I think it was, I was on a different programs so if I had stayed in the states, I could have become a resident because I'd been on a college visa, and then that was. insurance was covered by the university scheme and then i remember phoning a guy in cleveland and on the phone like 2005 and just saying he said yeah you're insured now so i was like i didn't have a clue what i was only like 23 so i didn't really care at the time but now looking back it's difficult it's another thing of the cultural comparison of you'll become a dad soon so congratulations but raising a family in the states with this sort of healthcare stuff does slightly changed the dynamic because again it's, it's you know you realize how things are relative culturally about what people's opinions are but a lot of my American friends as liberal as whatever they were were very against national health care and the idea of that was just incomprehensible that you'd pay money for someone else to have health care that was the way that they often perceived it but yeah just the, when I was living there I was thinking now if i had a daughter and a wife as I do and then if I got ill or if you get in a car accident even if you're insured they only pay 90 percent of it so you might have a bill of like ten thousand dollars or it's a hundred thousand dollar operation yeah there's different it's a different way of looking at life isn't it
1: yeah it is it's a hundred percent i think people in the uk probably take the nhs for granted a little bit yeah especially and stuff yeah in terms of just having that there if anything is an emergency or or you do need anything done but i know yeah like private some some guys spend like a big amount of their monthly salary on private private mm. health insurance just because I guess you, you build it up and it's it's good to have it there in case yeah. hopefully you don't ever use it but if you do need it for, for something it's, it's there to use but I know it's like mega mega expensive because we we ended up having like a baby scan whilst we were out there which yeah. we had to pay for um, and then because we, we were coming back in June we knew like we, we weren't actually going to have the labour out there mm-hmm. but they, they kind of run you through all the costs and it was just like this is the cost for labor. This is this. This wow. is this. And then it was like there was a lot. And that's uninsured,
0: or is that covered on the insurance?
1: That was uninsured. So it was like what you'd have to what you, you'd have to pay if effectively you if you didn't have any insurance. And then it was like if you wanted gas and air, that's extra. If you wanted this extra, extra, right. extra, and you then have to I make those decisions in the middle of a labor. Like that's, that's just like. A standard one without any complications. Yeah. So I guess
0: like who's going to say no if your wife's there, like kind of <laughs> screaming? You're not going to be like, no, no, we haven't budgeted for this. It's not, not part of it. Wow, it's wild. So
1: yeah, it was it was interesting from that. How, point how of much view. was it
0: then for regular labour?
1: I think um, in terms of like the scans leading up to it, and then like labour and, and bits like that, it was about twenty grand.
0: For, but then twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. So but like 15, then 15 sixteen thousand pounds
1: but then you've got like if you want any pain relief that's extra if you want this is extra so but i the mean it's could...
0: not that high in the states either is it so it's not like you're going to easily cover that
1: no 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 it's um yeah i mean it's interesting i found some things over there in terms of like salaries some things were very cheap some mm. things were super expensive so like uh, petrol for example or gas yeah gasoline <laughs> was um it obviously went up whilst I was out there mm-hmm. but it was it was like one dollar one it was like one dollar eighty for a gallon.
0: Yeah, gallons, how many liters? Like six liters or something? Is yeah, it
1: but, so I didn't realize this, an American gallon oh, right, okay. is apparently different to a UK so gallon. It's smaller, because yeah. an American pint is smaller than yeah. the British pint. Because yeah.
0: so, you go to a pub and you're like, what, this isn't a pint. <laughs> it's like 480 millilitres versus 540 or something. Yeah, yeah but, pint.
1: but a gallon was less than what a liter is over here and obviously in dollars. All oh, right. So it was like, super, yeah, yeah. Super, it obviously went up whilst whilst I was out there. Yeah. But it's still like
0: a sixth of the price or yeah,
1: it? Yeah, things like that were super cheap. And then like junk food was, <laughs> was very cheap. Yeah. But if you wanted to eat healthily, it was actually very, very expensive.
0: Yeah, so what, organic meat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. things
1: like that was, was super expensive. But if you wanted Twinkies or, or anything yeah. like that, it was super cheap. I
0: think they get in a bit of trouble with that, aren't they? Yeah. Well, we are as well, to be fair, with our <laughs> obesity and type 2 diabetes and yeah. everything. But you see where, what the road it leads you. Yeah, it's a different. Different experience. So, what what do you feel like now? Because you're becoming a dad in September. That's brilliant, yeah. brilliant news. What's your What's your plan? Would you go back to the states? Would you take the family back?
1: I have another. Um, I signed like a deal which was like plus. It had plus ones in, so mm. I could just I can just keep activating to oh, keep cool. going back. Um, so yeah, we there's, there's been a lot of change though in terms of obviously got injured and had operation whilst I was out oh, there. Toe, isn't it this year? Yeah. Um, so. At the minute, I'm obviously not fit. Then, obviously, a baby's on the way, um, and then at the they've just appointed a new general manager, so there's a lot of change going on. So I'm not really too sure at the minute where we kind of stand. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've got, obviously, the coffee side of things. Yeah, stubborn rhino. So yeah.
0: how long has that been going for?
1: Um, started in lockdown um, just because we were kind of off training, so I had a bit more time. Yeah. Originally wanted to do a shop, but with how covid was and everything was kind of outside and Mm. things like that i was i kind of wanted to build something that if covid happened again yeah it wouldn't just completely shut down um so we kind of went in down the events event side of things yeah um and we've targeted that like uh quality and and kind of doing things very very well because um, it's a
0: competitive market, isn't it? It's a lot of coffee places.
1: There's a lot of coffee places, yeah. But we, we've kind of tried to kind our niche is That we, we're using very good machines. All all the coffee beans we use are freshly roasted. Um, we've got like some good, like sustainable policies in place in terms of we did. Cheltenham Sevens at the weekend. Yeah,
0: because um a guy called Jack Patella yep. organises that, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's he's a, a good, good guy, Samoan guy, <laughs> guy. Yeah. yeah. Good fun.
1: Um, so we did that at the weekend, and then all the coffee grounds that get used are then recycle with some people in Pressbury. At, oh, like, local, okay. They get used on allotments and things like that. Awesome. So we're trying to make sure we're, we're working towards trying to trying to be carbon neutral so that everything, all the cups are recyclable, things like that, all yeah. the coffee grounds then
0: get reused and allotments and they don't just get thrown away. Amazing. So, so this is, how, how long have you been thinking about this? Because you seem very astute because you're only 27 now. <laughs> yeah. And you've been a professional rugby player, but it's. In a, I don't know if your Wikipedia page is correct, but did you do an internship or work at a marketing company or something? Is that I, correct?
1: Did, I did a bit of that for my dad's company, which is based in London. Yeah. Um,
0: So, yeah, I mean... Because it seems like you've been thinking about dual careers and stuff for a long time, whereas I've had on the podcast a couple of years ago, Gareth Evans, who played at Gloucester, and then went down to Wales to play, and he's just retired, I think, from the game, and we're going to get him on again soon, which will be great to have a conversation, but he was 27 here a few years ago and wasn't sure what his next step was going to be, but it feels like it's a real prudent thing to to be thinking about, because it's not the longest career. and I'm sure you get paid well in rugby, but it's not... Premier League football salaries that you can live on forever
1: yeah 100% and I mean when when I was younger like 17 18 19 just kind of starting out rugby is kind of that's all you want to do but every everyone you meet in kind of higher positions CEOs things like that of a club or any any kind of business would always say make sure you've got a backup plan make sure you've got a backup plan because like you could get injured the next day, yeah, and you can't play. Yeah, and I think a lot of boys probably take that as, I, like, I'll do that. I'll do that in it's five up, years. It's hard or, I'll if you're do doing that...
0: something as massively challenging as professional rugby, where every day you're doing physical training and you're having to focus, you're having to impress the coach. Yeah, it's hard sometimes to think, you know, I, I, can I multitask or do I need to give everything to to this? I suppose it's just about maintaining your energy and compartmentalizing it. Is it?
1: Yeah, and it's. I used to find it. Obviously did it kind of during lockdown, which was a good mental escape from kind of being, being locked in your house and yeah. training was different.
0: Because rugby was off for a good period of time, wasn't yeah. it?
1: Yeah, got shut down from March until, I don't think we went back into training until June time. Okay. So there was quite a few months where it was just... Time to think. Yeah, so I just kind of used that as I wanted to do something productive with that time and kind of why not set something up now that hopefully if you retire at 35. Mm. It's an easy transition rather yeah. than thinking about it at 35, and then you've got five years. But, so who's
0: doing? Who's manning the like the Cheltenham Sevens this weekend? Have you got like a sort of management team to go out there and do the actual making the coffee, selling the coffee? So
1: I was I worked it this weekend. Did just Because I've I got back a few weeks ago and I haven't done any events for a while. Yeah. So I was like, I want to get involved. Was it good fun? There's a lot get, of people camping up there. I drove yeah, past. Yeah, yeah. It, it was good. It was good fun. We were there kind of Friday afternoon, Saturday all day and then Sunday morning so there was a, there was a lot of people rush on for
0: coffee <laughs> Saturday
1: yeah. morning and Sunday morning um, but yeah we've got we've got a great team of kind of baristas that we kind of book in for we've we've
0: got a few different setups is that a profession now so it's not just getting people to man a, a service hatch you're actually getting people who are trained baristas is that is that kind of like a category that you can go to a website and employ people um,
1: you, there is agencies and things we try and use um, we try and use the same people and then we do like in-house training mm. so that we know everyone's at a certain standard. It makes a big difference,
0: doesn't it? Because obviously I worked in fit pubs and stuff when I was a kid and you just think when you get now, you get like a 17-year-old behind the bar or something and he's just like, you say, my wife wants a latte yeah. <laughs> and then it just comes back and I'm not sure what it is but he obviously doesn't drink coffee, he's got no interest in coffee, it's just yeah. a different, a different thing but having yeah. that niche of... These are professional people who know what a good coffee is and are trained yeah. in it. That's a big, a big difference.
1: Yeah. So we, we, we use, like, they're called Lamazocco machines. Okay. So they're, like, very good, expensive coffee machines. But, like you said, there's there's no point having a great machine and, and putting someone on it that doesn't care yeah. or, or doesn't know what they're doing because it's then... It's, well, it doesn't in, like...
0: You've got to like coffee, haven't you, I think?
1: 100%. But it's like a football player someone that's never played football but you're getting them a 300 pound pair of boots yeah. it's not just going to make them good no. at football
0: no exactly yeah
1: so we we try and make sure we've got like a passionate team that care it's, it's it can be fairly long hours but it, it that was the other thing that i kind of found if you if you have a shop you kind of your footfall is your footfall
0: at certain times of day
1: you are where you are you get your regular customers yeah. but if you're working there you go to the same place every day. It's the same machine. It's yeah. the same people. It's the same view, which is great because you, you you can have some some great conversations and meet some great people and and be comfortable in that environment. But in terms of the event side of things, you get to go to different places. Yeah. Everyone's
0: excited because they're going for a day out. Different
1: whether yeah. that whether that's we did ch- the race week at Cheltenham Racecourse. Did you? Then we're doing... Um, How much
0: do you have to pay? To, it's a lot of money to get on the race course for that.
1: Um, so the, we just we just do a percentage fee. Didn't so you? they basically take a percent of what we take.
0: Oh, wow, that's good. So you don't have to pay a big amount up front to So, to that. so
1: there's no kind of upfront fee. Brilliant. Um, which is great. And then we do, we're do we doing like Blenheim horse trials, the big feast. Is that Blenheim Palace, is yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, the big feast of all um and then which is like at the big event is that the guy from
0: blur that said that or it the um, big festival? is alex it alex james alex james yeah yeah and yeah.
1: um, but i think like stereophonics are headlining one really? night anne marie's there so it's like a food festival that's then grown into hybrid music do people festival. come
0: for a coffee a lot because there's always a stereotype that people drink beer more than anything at those events or they, they
1: it's there's a lot of like kids and things like that so yeah. so it's um you, you get a bit of ice everything, coffee. and yeah, ice coffee definitely when the weather's hot. But I think like during during the day, it will naturally be more soft drink based, mm. coffee based, cold drinks, and then probably once it turns three, four o'clock, it
0: will transition into a slightly more alcohol based. Well, it's funny when you get older because obviously, growing up had it, enjoyed beer and and what have glass of red wine now but for me always said to people right now it'd be a lot easier to give up alcohol than it would caffeine a because i work shift work at sky but b yeah. just because i enjoy coffee whereas beer i love the first taste but i feel ropey after two pints you know what i mean that's the yeah. thing it's just my body just doesn't process it well whereas caffeine i just love that buzz of a good coffee and yeah. get kind of high which i don't really understand the caffeinated coffee as much because it doesn't taste quite as nice and it doesn't give you that buzz but um, yeah. Maybe there's a placebo effect that you can imagine it's caffeinated and do it.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, like decaf still has some caffeine in. Yeah. It's obviously been removed. But so you just drink a lot more coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you can. And and I guess if you if you fancy it, you like the taste of coffee, and you fancy it coffee, and it's later in the evening. Yeah. A uh, decaf's an an, an option.
0: So on your Instagram account. You are advocating coffee naps, aren't you? Which is one, yeah. one that I should do actually, because I often have I have a nap this afternoon because I'm on a late shift down yeah. in London, and I'll. Uh, so that's, you have a coffee and then you go straight to sleep yeah. and wake up 20 minutes later yeah. and it gives you and that you, extra high.
1: Yeah, you've got the buzz of the coffee and, <laughs> and obviously the power that you've just got from the nap. Yeah. So. So,
0: so this was this is brave. So you were like 25, 26 when you did this. Yeah. Did you go and get a big loan to start off with? How did it work?
1: Uh, no, just kind of used use my savings um, and then I was lucky enough that my, my dad gave me a tiny bit of money because he said he'd kind of rather help me Help me set it up. Yeah, and, and me and me paying back than me going get a loan with interest rates and things like that. Brilliant. Um. So yeah, I just kind of used my savings. It built. I mean, from the start of it, we we just started with some scaffold tubes yeah. and some some MDF wood that was just painted really? with a bar, um, like a coffee bar, and then we we did events with that, and then we got a smaller kind of teardrop camping trailer. Yeah, that was converted with a machine in the back. And then that's then grown into like a big kind of purpose-built shipping container, which then gets moved.
0: This is the really swish one that from the weekend I saw a picture yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. so de- cool.
1: depending on kind of like, I've I've tried to make the business scalable Yeah. because obviously as things grow.
0: Yeah, you, you need you, to be in two places at once. Potentially. Yeah,
1: so whether we've got two events on the same day or you can't you can't do an event at the race course with 70,000 people with a little mdf pop up bar <laughs> because you're just going to get eaten alive Swamped, yeah so it's like we we've kind of tried to cater for, for everyone whether that's we've done kind of private um like product launches and things like that. We did an event for Range Rover when the new Range Rover came out. Oh, you got you drive a Range Rover. A was, that, was
0: that synchronized with that at all? Or? It wasn't
1: a freebie, but... <laughs> no, no,
0: they helped you out there, did they? Uh, not, no, we actually actually
1: got that before we'd got this event.
0: And you've got the marketing on you. You've got the stubborn rhino on you. Do you think that helps? Because yeah. there's a there's a barber who I know, a couple of Turkish guys who run MW Wolf. Barbers in Montpellier, yeah, and he's got a car with all the 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 livery on, yeah. And I wonder sometimes whether that does help in a way. In the digital age, it sounds like we were obsessed with digital marketing, but actually, physically seeing something makes you think, "What's that?" Yeah, you kind of maybe Google it, and then you go to the digital page and find out what it is.
1: So we actually got a staff member through the through the uh, branding on the car because uh, she 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 saw the car with the branding and she Googled, she was like, "That's a cool car." Googled what stubborn rhino was. And then she was like, oh, I need a summer job. And awesome. ended up applying. So, so are you
0: employing people on staff contracts or are they freelancers?
1: Um, it's mainly freelancers. We have uh, two two people that are on, uh, they just do set set hours per week. So Doing they're, stuff. they're part-time. So we have one one lady who is, uh, she's head barista. She, she, she's in charge of kind of organising some of the events and making sure. Uh, so like the weekend, she she's in charge of the stock and making sure everything's set and ready for the weekend. Yeah. And then we had another lady who is in charge of marketing and events. So she she's in charge of kind of going out and getting new business and and showcasing. Kind she's of, she's
0: on a regular salary. Yeah,
1: she's on she's on fixed hours per week and then she just gets a monthly part-time salary and then everyone else is just either
0: and is she incentivized to get more work so of...
1: so yeah there's there's like we'll we'll pay them on bonus schemes so if an event is better than better than what, what we're expecting then there can be bonuses added awesome. in and things like that um but it's just kind of getting the business out because we we enjoy doing these big huge events but we're also trying to offer kind of Private and corporate events yeah. for for midweek, whether that's a wedding or a corporate party okay, or an cool. event or a product launch or anything kind of. Yeah. Along. So how would it
0: work on if someone wanted to employ, say, Stubborn Rhino for a wedding? would Would it be a profit share again, or how would it? Would it be that, um, you, that you did so, it for free? You, you showed up and then you so just took the money. So a
1: wedding, because most people at weddings don't really like it to, they don't normally like payments. It's normally mm. prepaid. Yeah. So we'll just quote based on. How many people are going to be there?
0: Oh, so it'll be like when you buy alcohol for a wedding. It'll be like buy yeah. you buy the you pay you for the coffee, but you just rock up and do yeah. a so, proper barista. So service. we'll just
1: set all the all the bar up with the machines, and then put baristas on it, and then it will just basically operate as either they pay for a set amount of drinks, yeah. or they can have it as an unlimited service. Yeah. So we might be there for three hours serving, and they can have anything from kind of flat whites to decaf coffee, yeah. teas, hot chocolates, anything kind of along along them lines. So it's, then, like,
0: it's a fee for bottomless coffee kind of thing that
1: you Uh do. We normally try and quote things based on unlimited because it's just for a private event, it's a nice... Yeah. Y- you don't want to get two hours in and be like, you've used... <laughs> you've Coffee's used not a bad baggie. idea on a,
0: on a sort of wedding day as well because you start early, you finish yeah. late, it's a long... Yeah, long, long we've day. had a
1: few for uh, like the morning after the wedding as well oh, Yeah, because obviously everyone's waking up knackered, and they knackered yeah. hungover, and it's like they've normally got to travel back home yeah So it's like a nice a nice kind of wake up have a nice coffee say bye to everyone and then go so we've had quite a few events
0: so to the Cheltenham race course i'm just thinking about this you were in dallas when that happened were you so that you that was happening
1: i was yeah there. that must
0: be a cool feeling to think that the company you started is working while you're yeah away it, in w- the it States. was
1: it was good it was um slightly stressful at times and it was actually tricky. When when I was going, I was like, this will be all right because I'm fairly organized. But because yeah. of the time difference, it was actually much, much eight harder. Hours, six six hours. hours. But so, like, if I was getting up at 6 a.m., it was already middle of the day. Yeah. So I was finding, like, some days I was having to just, like, set my alarm at two o'clock in the morning.
0: Wow. You have to make decisions, are you? They're asking you, should we do this? Or,
1: that um, or...? I mean, they're, they're pretty they're pretty independent on 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 most of it so i mean we just kind of get a, get a good plan in place before and they kind of run run Brilliant. run things as it is but some things if some some sometimes I'd have a call with someone at nine AM UK time which would be three AM Oof. So it was like yeah sometimes I'd get I was your having brain to, to function get up time. in the middle of the night to have a call and then go back to bed. <laughs> it's good preparation having a baby so, actually. Yeah, <laughs> <so> <laughs> it was it was all good prep from from that side of things. But yeah, it was it was it was cool to think I'm four thousand miles away yeah. and there's four or five people think... working at the race course serving however many coffees
0: i think you really tune the idea of events or special things like weddings is is a great one because at the moment obviously there's this cost of living crisis people are talking about maybe they'll cut back on their their daily coffee because they'll be thinking oh it adds up to 20 quid a week or whatever i'm doing yeah but actually something like that people will be liberated i think when they'll save up and they'll go to special events they'll be more likely to then spend money in a way do you know what i mean i think it's the businesses who are on the high street maybe are going to feel more more of a pinch perhaps definitely
1: and i we've 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 tried to set the whole business around the quality side of things and just doing things very, very well, yeah because there's there's nothing more disappointing than if you go out for a coffee and you taste it and you're like, "Oh it's not yeah, great. it's like four pounds or you, go, and it's not, yeah. or you go out for food and you're like, that wasn't actually great, no. whereas we want every customer to take a sip of the coffee and be like, that's actually yeah great. That's You don't, great you don't to think
0: oh, I could have made that." better one in my cafeteria at home yeah, or, or whatever e- it's a, exactly yeah. so you, you how long have you been a coffee lover for
1: um quite a while now i mean 27 i probably got into it i mean i started drinking coffee when i started playing kind of professional rugby Did you? just because of like it's early starts you yeah. might have multiple sessions so it's a little bit of a caffeine kick
0: do they do they do the nutritionist tailor it for you for for performance benefits do they with coffee or do they they give caffeine supplements
1: not so much coffee side of things but there's there's like a caffeine plan for, for match days and things like that so like if we had an evening kickoff, yeah I would have decaf or I wouldn't drink any coffee during the day and then you'd have caffeine obviously like two hours before a game. And which, then you've got
0: adrenaline and caffeine in your system afterwards. Yeah. How do so you then, sleep? <laughs> so you don't really sleep on a, after a night game. That's so, but they gotta factor that in long term. That's a challenge, isn't it? Because you've got to balance performance on the night with performance on the season.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's like if you if you had like a Saturday evening game, which you then don't sleep very well Saturday night, Sunday's then like a recovery day, you're then in on a Monday. It's whereas Luckily, most of the evening games are on a Friday, so mm. you tend to get a Saturday and a Sunday. Yeah. So if you don't sleep great the first night, you know you've got a second night to kind of.
0: Do they ever tailor train? They ever, like if they've got a lot of night games coming up? Do they ever train at night just to replicate? Because I know some boxers now have started to, because obviously fight nights tend to be Saturday night or Friday night. They tend to now train later in the day when it used to be like get up at four in the morning and run. But they're thinking actually, now I have to perform at eleven o'clock at night. I've got to get used to.
1: Yeah, that aspect. I'm not. Um None of the teams I've been at have, but I yeah. know, um, I know from speaking to some of the guys, like the England team, definitely train later, like when the Six Nations are on. Yeah, they train slightly later in the in the day. That makes sense. Whereas, I, I mean, I've been at teams where the schedule's been rugby in the morning, mm. weights in the afternoon, yeah. and then weight other teams where weights are in the morning, rugby's in the afternoon, and I, I mean,
0: what felt better for you? Was it? Does it inhibit you doing weights in the morning in terms of your um, movement in the afternoon?
1: I mean, weights in the morning, rugby in the afternoon was always kind of classic, a classic day. Yeah. Whereas when, we, when there was rugby in the morning, weights in the afternoon, it was quite nice to get in, and do your rugby session straight away. Because when your that, fresh. that's like your main focus of the day. And mm-hmm. you know, you get in, you have a quick meeting. And then you're straight into the you your session. You're making
0: decisions. You're trying to be creative with the ball yeah. or whatever whereas it might be. whereas yeah. if
1: you have a rugby session in the afternoon, you might have been in since 7am. Yeah. But you, you're not on the pitch until 1 or 2. Yeah. So you've been going for and quite a while. And if
0: you've done a heavy weight session, sometimes it can be a little bit of legginess and stuff.
1: A little bit, yeah. But then on the flip side, doing weights after a rugby session <laughs> is also very challenging. Yes, yeah. So it's like there's, there's pros and cons to both It kind of...
0: How many times are we doing weights a week, is it? three
1: um, times. In a normal a normal training week would be Monday would be uh like a lower body session, mm. Tuesday upper body, Wednesday off, Thursday would be like a full body power session. Yeah. Friday is the day before a game, so you wouldn't really do it. That's anything. all strength like low rep stuff. Um yeah. Some of the upper body stuff would be slightly more high rep. Yeah. Because just you generally tend to be not as sore through your upper body. Sure. And you obviously if if you're going training, you go in and training, you can like get that, away yeah. with doing an upper body session before you train. Whereas generally, a lower body session in season, you probably wouldn't do more than five or six reps in a set.
0: Yeah, if you're doing like loads of volume of deadlifts and squats, yeah. you just can't run after. Yeah. And then
1: you've got to go and scrum and maul and yeah. run around. It's just yeah. Whereas pre-season, you'd probably do four weight sessions a week. You'd do a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday.
0: Body part split, so you do um, upper, upper, lower. Yeah,
1: normally, like, it's normally um, Monday lower, Tuesday upper, Wednesday off. Thursday would be, like, a full body power again because mm. you still need a power element. Yeah. So it'd be, like, power-based lower, power-based upper with maybe, like, some kind of upper body mixed in. Yeah. And then f- Friday used to be individual needs, which would be, like...
0: What you were looking to improve.
1: Yeah, or what? What haven't you done this week that you want to that you want to add in? So okay. it might be a little. It might be some calf rehab. But you're or training. Hamstring you're playing stuff.
0: on a Saturday, so you've got that in mind as well. That
1: wouldn't necessarily happen in season. No, that would more be pre-season. Yeah, um, but yeah, you might or you might need an extra upper body session, or you might have a sore knee, so you're
0: doing some knee prehab things like that. So, it's a it's a grueling sport, beautiful sport, but a grueling <laughs> sport. I mean, well, how do you look at that now? Because you say you're becoming a dad. We were talking, we were having a coffee in the kitchen just about the concussion stuff that's going on at the moment in the, in the sport, the, the fears about chronic traumatic, encephalopathy, early onset dementia, that kind of stuff. Do you look at it as, you, have you got a time limit for how much you want to play rugby for? If you, I mean, I guess it's liberating to have the business burgeoning because that gives you a, a sense that you can enjoy rugby rather than kind of be anxious about what's going to come next.
1: Yeah, um, not really. I mean, I'm trying to just kind of take, take things as they come. Um, lo- like I said earlier, you never really know when, when the end yeah. of your career. It might. Some people play till thirty-five, thirty-six, longer. Yeah. If their body's fine, or you see some guys retire twenty-five, twenty-six, anytime really. Well,
0: yeah. And the point, yeah. People talk about you've been thick of the action and the scrum in rugby, but I think the the old adage is we're all we're all going to die, aren't we? So you got you got to choose how you live while you while you're here and while you're young, like yeah. you are. It's it's making the most of life as as well as maybe a nod to the future and health and longevity yeah
1: and just just enjoy it really i mean like you never you never know when you might play your last game so just and that that is kind of that
0: is the roller coaster of sport you have highs you have lows you just you've got to kind of enjoy it as you go and does rugby enable you to financially to put the money back from the business into the business and then you can live off your kind of rugby money is that how you balance um, it
1: that was that was what I'd kind of done yeah the the rugby money I'd kind of tried to save and, and put aside for family things and business things um, and then yeah I've been lucky enough at the minute that I haven't really had to I haven't taken any money out of the business yeah because early on I'm obviously trying to gain a bit equipment. of traction and get it growing and and pay off equipment and th- and things like that how
0: that's much is one of those coffee machines what was the name of it again uh
1: lamazocco um they're about 10 grand wow but i mean you can you can get some machines that are about 20 25 grand really yeah so as so any
0: industry people will build something that's more refined, more expensive more fancy yeah
1: so it's more more than a car some of the machines so would you
0: do would you buy one of those 25 grand ones um, do you see the difference from a 10 grand in terms of quality of the coffee what it tastes like? I mean
1: I personally think the the machines that we got in terms of doing large volumes and repeatability mm. of quality it's it's pretty much as good as good as you get um, them machines they're great machines but I mean I wouldn't say I personally wouldn't say it's 15 mm. grand it's yeah. worth 15 grand proportionate. more proportionate yeah. yeah so I don't like you wouldn't get 15 grand more quality out of it
0: yeah <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot do you have to pay for servicing as well it's a bit like a car
1: yeah so you get machine will get serviced once a year depending on how much kind of how much coffee's gone through it yeah. obviously like the grinders need servicing to make sure they're all fine but at the end of at the end of each day each machine gets cleaned and flushed through to make sure everything's clean and there's nothing kind of stuck in it so i guess it's it's similar to a car in effect yeah yeah you've got Top, top it up with petrol. but if, if you petrol, break down,
0: at least you're not stuck in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. But it puts a bit of pressure on the baristas You say, don't break it, otherwise yeah. it's, it's going to cost a, <laughs> a lot of money to to repair. I love it. So that's going to continue growing, and you're just on the lookout now for rugby clubs, are you, in, in this country, potentially? Or do you think the, the Dallas thing's still on the table? Um,
1: not at the minute, just because of my foot. I'm just main main goal at the minute is just to kind of get my foot back healthy, ready, yeah. ready f- fit, and firing to be probably running after. A Little kid, oh, yeah, of <laughs> Any, course. Anytime soon, so what can you
0: do? Rehab for that is it just rest? Can you do exercises for you?
1: Um, your yeah, toe? a lot of it's just like smaller movements, like for your toes and stuff, calf raises, things like that. Mm. Um, most of it's just getting the range of movement back in my toe, which was just like super stiff <laughs> to start with after it being in a cast and just and bits like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just was so
0: a little little cast on your toe, is it? Was it, was it on uh,
1: No, it was basically I had a uh. It was a half, it was like half a cast, which had gone on the, it goes on the top of your foot. Yeah. So it basically would just stop you from moving your foot upwards. Yeah. But you could move it downwards. So it was like, but then oh, okay. that was like wrapped around. So it was almost like a blocker to yeah. stop you moving. And then I was on crutches for a few weeks. I ended up getting this like nylon scooter. It's exhausting, the yeah. crutches, aren't they? especially in America because everything's more spread out. Uh, so oh, yeah. I was
0: like, I'm going to get a little kneel along kneel along scooter <laughs> nice so I can move along a little bit better oh brilliant well mate it's really impressive the story to be a professional rugby player is one thing that's fantastic but to have built a business like Stubborn Rhino is is great I appreciate you coming over and talking about it and stubborn com is that where you go yep. to find out more
1: that's our website and our Instagram and kind of
0: Facebook handle is at stubborn rhino underscore nice and you're just it, Todd underscore Gleave on social media is that yep. right yep yep are you on so Instagram, Twitter as well? So. Instagram.
1: I have a personal Instagram and Twitter um, and then business account. We,
0: we mainly use Instagram and Facebook. Brilliant. Well, great to have you. I think you've drunk most of your coffee, so I'm yeah. impressed, actually. <laughs> <laughs> our, filter, our filter machine, actually, from being in the States, got into filter coffee, and that actually just comes on in the morning automatically. So it's brilliant. You set it the night before, and you come yeah. down, and it's, there's something ritualistic about having a coffee ready. ready. to go. Yeah, fired up. Well, good to, good to see you. Good luck with everything. Yeah, thank you very much. Big thank you to Todd for coming over. hope you enjoyed that. Please rate it on iTunes, whatever platform you're listening to it on. If you did, tell a friend. Any constructive criticism, always appreciated as well. Primarily, just thank you for listening to the podcast. Do appreciate your support, as I do with the sponsors and the partners of the podcast. Chief sponsor, ever indebted to, Bang Nolofsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations good people headed up by a good man manchester united fan jason briggs get in touch with bang ollison of cheltenham or we'll go into their beautiful store in the courtyard in montpellier here in the picturesque town of cheltenham in the west of england thank you to them thank you to cytoplan if you're looking to optimize your immunity remember the food-based supplement company supplements the idea being that are digested as food would be if you go to cytoplan.co.uk the Discount associated with the podcast, 30% off upfront, 10% thereafter is my last name. Draper, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero, and the capital letter R. And remember for Holman Academy as well, the association with the podcast giving away that free mentoring session with Anthony Asprey, 100% free. You get a free hour to talk about any issues, any challenges you're going through and maybe get some clarity and a plan to go forward with. You can sign up for further mentoring if you so wish at that point but this is absolutely free go to the link in the show notes to find out more about that thank you for being here again i hope you have a good week if you're a parent and you're in the uk and your kids are off school I hope you have a fun one spending time with them and keep them entertained and we're working on that at the moment as well while struggling work etc but brilliant to, uh, to have some summer fun and appreciate you being here and listening to the podcast thank you have a great week goodbye for now